Well, welcome back, guys, to the JPS Education Roundtable. And we are here with Mackenzie Baker and Josh. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. What an honor. And Mac. Yes. G'day. Well, it's an honor to have you. You are the hipster. You're famous, Josh. Tell us about why you're actually an internet sensation. Not many people will know this about you, but give the people the lay of the land as to, uh, I guess, your rise to glory. Well, I would say about 10 years ago, I was... Uh... I was the hipster in the in the Super Wog hipster video. Um, I did some extras work. I was also on Home and Away for a little while. And uh, they just asked me to be on this YouTube video thing. And I didn't even know who they were. And I rocked up and I was the only like non-actor out of everyone. And But because I had a mad beard and I looked like, I looked like a hipster, I got the main part. I love that for you. And guys, we will link that in the description box below. <laughs> uh, definitely worth the watch. And he's paying the price now. <laughs> he's paying the price now. And come full circle, you're now a coach at Fortitude Nutrition and you mentor a lot of coaches. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, coaching. So first, Mac, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, I thought we'd start with a general and broad question. What is the overarching objective of a coach? Uh, probably the first is do no harm, you know, primum non nocere, which is uh, the Latin uh, terminology or phrase. But beyond doing no harm, what, what's the overarching goal uh, of any coach, whether it's training or nutrition related? That's exactly right, mate. Starting off with first not doing any harm. But, you know, beyond that, I think it starts by asking the question of, well, what is a health coach? And then before we even get to that, we have to think about, well, what is health? And I personally am of the opinion that in the fitness, nutrition space. It's always about, I'm either building, and you got to say building in 2023. You can't say bulking or gaining. It's building. That's the cool term that the, all the Instas, Insta people say, um, or it's dieting. Okay. Now, this is typically where the conversation ends when it comes to like, what are we trying to help clients, guide clients towards achieving? And I personally think that this is extremely I guess, narrow or two-dimensional um, because health is actually a broad thing. It involves many different facets. And as health coaches, we should be there to help our clients improve their health. We are health coaches. They are paying up, They are paying us for that. I think issues can arise when we leave the conversation at the bulk or cut thing or the build and cut thing, and we don't actually have a deeper we don't actually more deeply consider, you know, what is health and how can I help this person improve their health and health being anything from just happiness, overall well-being, uh, And it's so many different things beyond just this physique style of thing. And there are tons and tons of training on nutrition goals that are perfectly justifiable. I like it. And Josh, what would you uh, add to uh, Mackenzie's answer or uh, to the conversation around the overarching objective of a coach? I actually really love this definition from the International Coaching Federation, um, and it defines coaching as partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal potential. And I think some of the key things there is partnering with clients, um, thought-provoking, but also creative. And like Mac was saying, it's about helping them improve their overall health, not just the the physical side of things as well. I think we can add in, yeah, there's the build, there's the cut, but also there's people that are obsessed with performance as well. And I think it's more about helping people move towards a life that matters to them 
um, and really becoming the best version of themselves or moving towards that that identity-based goal that they might have rather than just like the intermediate goal of performance or changing their bodies. I like that. I like that. Partnering is certainly a huge aspect of coaching. And I guess something that springs to mind in addition to to both of your answers, because health is important as is, you know, partnering with a client and, um, you know, solving problems, you know, in a creative and provoking way. I, I see coaching as being problem solving and the role of a coach is obviously through their own knowledge and experience um, to be able to, more efficiently and effectively help somebody solve their problems, whatever they may be. And in many cases, I think as Mac was alluding to, uh, sometimes the problems that need solving aren't really valued by the client initially, at least. And that's why people want to just build and cut. They're not really concerned with, you know, their cardiometabolic health or their psychological or social health, for example. They just want to get shredded for stereo and look good on the beach. Um, but regardless, I think, you know, a good coach can not only solve the client's I guess, immediate or short-term uh, problems, but they're long-term problems as well, which is um, something that does create that you know uh, need for the thought-provoking uh, side of uh, the coaching uh, definition that you spoke about. Okay, I think so, just, on yeah. to, uh, just to add on top of the, the problem-solving thing, I used to be a big believer in like, as a coach, we are a problem solver. And I think that's what a good coach is. I think a great coach helps the client solve their own problems and that's more empowering because then they have those those strategies, those tools for life. Mm-hmm. So then they're not becoming over-reliant on the coach. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think problem solving initially starts with the coach and then should be, uh, you know, the baton should slowly be handed over to the client, right? Because as I'm sure we uh, all agree at the start of uh, somebody's coaching uh, journey or fitness journey, they probably don't have a lot of the skills, competencies and education to solve those problems themselves. They're going to be a little bit more reliant on the coach. Um, and I think that's where the role of the coach changes over time and the more experienced um, and proficient somebody come, becomes with their you know, fitness-related um, skills and knowledge. And I think that's a, an important distinction to make, but really good point, man. Um, so when somebody's looking to hire a coach, what are some of the red flags that they uh, should be looking out for? Mac, what do you think big red flags besides uh, the uh, six-figure boss babe yeah. coaches? Yeah. Um, so I think probably the biggest red flag for me is signs that the coach and I'll credit Josh for this little phrase, uh, not word by word, but just the general idea is uh, signs of a coach not being able to view the world from any lens that is not their own uh, and their inability to try and meet the client where they are at and consider their priorities and their values and what's important to them. And in doing so, imposing their beliefs, expectations, and I guess levels of, levels of importance on training and nutrition goals, strategies, and behaviors. That's probably the biggest, I guess, red flag for me because it it really is almost a surefire uh, indication that this is a coach centered coach uh, who isn't necessarily interested in coaching the person or guiding the person or coming alongside the person, but rather imposing the strategies that they prefer themselves and the goals that they prefer themselves and. This can be for numerous reasons. Um, often doing so requires less thought process from the coach, uh, less mental energy, less time. You know, every check-in is the same. Every client uses the same system, blah, 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 blah. So there are other reasons for doing that. But 
I think if you are a prospective client and you're wanting to improve your existence, which at the end of the day is what you're trying to do with coaching, if you're seeing signs that the coach is not very, I guess, malleable and conscious of what other people want, um, then that's something that is, you know, to be uh, at least cautious about. Yeah, yeah. Josh, anything you want to add to that? I think from a nutrition coaching um, perspective, I would be very very concerned um, if a coach doesn't offer video calls or they only do like fortnightly check-ins, which is something that I, I see quite a lot um, when I look at some other coaches' services. Because what it shows is, Mac mentioned this earlier, is that they don't focus on coaching the person. Um, and that's what a, a really great coach does. They coach the person, not the problem. So they might just, you know, coach fat loss without actually getting to know the person. And that's what we do in video calls. We actually really get to know what is important to this person, uh, why their goals are important to them and how it's going to help them live this life that they value um, and move towards what's important. And I think when you don't do video calls, it's it's very, very hard to do that. So they're not getting to know the, the person um, beyond just their goal. Um, and again, I, I just, I think it's very hard to do that without video calls and, and regular check-ins. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to add, go a bit of a tangent there, story time. So I think I've been working with Josh at Fortitude. It'd have to be five years now, I think. Josh will know. Um, now, I was full-blown macro coach Steve prior to Fortitude. And I never did video calls because I was like, oh, that's inefficient. I don't have time. It's just no point. And Josh was like, we do video calls. And at, at first, I bitched and moaned about it. I used to be like, oh, this is stupid. Oh, it's such a waste of time, blah, 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 blah. I've got to schedule it in. And these days, I look back on that and realize how much of a more effective coaching service I'm able to provide because I've actually... I now have the opportunity to get to know those clients rather than, like Josh said, coaching the problem or coaching the strategy, uh, actually getting to unpack rather than taking the, you know, the, the initial sign up form at face value. Oh, I want to lose five kilos, like actually unpacking that, trying to find goal value connection. And if there isn't goal value connection, talking with the client to see if we can maybe tweak the goal to find something that is more meaningful. Um, so what I will say is that for me, um, as someone who was very anti-video call, I don't know, five years ago, whatever it was, uh, I've come full circle and it's all thanks to Josh. Thank you. Well, Josh, thank you for making Mac better. We all not, appreciate it. Not a sponsored post. Sponsored post. Um, no, I really, really like that. And I think there is certain demographics and like cases where 100% you need to get to know the person to understand the nature of their situation and the context that you're working with, because even trying to solve the problem itself as a pro like that, that's nearly impossible without knowing the person because the person is the problem or the bottleneck in many of the, the cases, especially with gem pop, like, you know, their lifestyle and their situation is what's holding them back from achieving say a fat loss goal. So you need to know the person to be able to achieve that goal. But I think there's also, cause I know our audience uh, is also very heavily uh, interested in the physique side of things and um, you know, potentially competitive uh, physique sports and stuff like that, more serious lifters um, and body composition trainees. I think there's also cases from my experience where the coaching the person isn't always absolutely necessary. Obviously it helps and it, and it probably makes the, the coaching process a lot more enjoyable and rewarding and certainly more effective in, in many other ways um, doesn't hurt. Um, but in many cases, there are examples I know of clients who don't need necessarily 
the the video calls or to coach the person they just need the plan and some kind of constraints around what they're doing and accountability and, and they seek some other things in the coaching process um but i would certainly agree that it, it doesn't hurt it's always going to have some benefits and it's certainly more um necessary in a lot of gen pop cases where you know the individual doesn't really have again back to what i was saying earlier the knowledge and uh you know skill set around their nutritional training to just be able to follow a plan and you know not have that in-person contact on a regular basis but feel free to add some thoughts if you will gentlemen yeah i i agree with that um you know we're, we're big components of motivational interviewing in the client-centered coaching space um but the people that you don't need to do that with is the highly motivated people you know they can essentially just you know look at a program and follow it um which is which is which is great but that's in my mind, that wouldn't really be so much coaching this person. It would be essentially maybe maybe programming and you know giving some feedback. Um, but again, it's, maybe it's not coaching the the person per se or highly personalized coaching. Um, in in that sense, I think that's where that that might be a bit of a point of difference. What you were saying before about you know you really do need to get to know not just the person, but when they have problem behaviors, why they're doing it. And uh, a big thing, I'm a, a I'm a very big advocate of not just co- uh, not not fixing, sorry, not trying to solve the first problem you see, but trying to solve the real problem. So, say for example, someone is overeating. That's the problem. That's the first problem we see. And a lot of coaches go, "All right, here's your macros. Just eat less, right?" Um, but we want to try and get to the root cause of that problem. Is it stress? Is it boredom? Is it they're, they're under eating earlier in the day? All right. Then we can, if we try and solve that problem, or help the client solve that problem then the later consequences, they basically disappear. Yeah. Mac? Yeah, I, I would echo that. And I think, I think one of the, the biggest, um, <laughs> I think one of the like biggest value points in the video call as well is unpacking a why. You know, seeing that, that face value problem overeating and not just saying, okay, I'm going to provide solutions, provide solutions, but actually going, asking the question of like, why is this happening? Can we try and unpack what the various triggers or drivers are? Can we either delete those triggers or drivers? If not, can we look at strategies to try and cope or manage those triggers and drivers? And you know, asking key questions, listening, and letting the client guide that conversation is where I think you'll uncover a lot of information that can be really pivotal in terms of the direction that you 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 steer or coaching is steered. Yeah, I like that. And I guess to follow on from uh, a lot of the points you guys are making now, if we're looking at uh, coaches, uh, we kind of touched on some of the red flags. Um, but if we were to say like, what are the things that people should look for then? Uh, what are what are the skills, competencies um, that we want to seek in a coach? Um, you know, I think a really good sort of framework to look at um, coach development is uh, from the sense of like knowledge, because we have obviously our like theoretical knowledge, which is de- declarative knowledge. So our knowing knowledge of say, you know, the physiology of fat loss, for example, nutrition science, exercise science, all that kind of stuff. But we also have procedural knowledge, which is our doing knowledge. Um, and that's where things like our communication skills or interpersonal skills and stuff like that come into it, which is a lot of what we seem to be discussing today. So Let's move away from, I guess, the declarative knowledge because we, we know what people need to know when it comes to you know, nutrition or exercise science um, and it's pretty basic. Um, but in terms of like the skills that people, uh, coaches should have, 
when it comes to the more procedural stuff, the doing uh, side of things, uh, what are some of the key, uh, I guess, skills and attributes that coaches should look to develop over the course of their careers or clients should seek out in coaches, Josh? I would say number one is asking questions. Yep. So, so learn. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the number one communication thing. Like I think a lot of coaches could get caught in the trap of thinking about communication is how you deliver a message. But again, if we think about empowering the clients and getting them to solve their own problems or, you know, increase someone's level of intrinsic motivation or autonomous motivation, we want to learn how to ask the right questions and get these things out of the clients. There's these almost these light bulb moments um, and they have this sense of ownership over the whole process and this element of choice as well. So I would say, yeah, learning how to ask the right questions and not just having a, a toolkit or a list of questions to ask. I think that's a great starting point. But I think over time, getting used to this, what we call like reflective inquiry. So learning how to use a combination of reflections and questions, but also questions that are very relevant to what the client is saying. Yeah, I like it. I like it, Mac. Yeah, I would definitely echo what Josh said there. And I would add also being a good listener and remembering that um, the client is the expert of their life. So it's almost always better for you to just listen um, because you will, as I said, attain more information that is critical to where coaching sort of heads. Um, uh, so yeah, that would probably be a huge one as well. I mean, I think it also differs depending on the sort of nature of what, what type of health coach you are. Um, as a personal trainer in a previous life, I have some opinions of of what is desirable on like a general gym floor setting, not like a you know physique athlete setting, not in a a, a um, performance athlete setting, but you know like local anytime local fitness first sort of PT gen pop style. Um, I have some opinions as to what is sort of makes a good coach coach in those settings, and that that is somewhat different to the other um, examples I described, and, and as well as online nutrition coaching, which is what we now do for Fortitude. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I think a, a big uh, part of coach development uh, over the course of time, I think, is improving their self-awareness. And I think that's something that both of you can share some pretty cool insights on as well, because uh, at least seems to me that, you know, you, Josh, not you, Mackenzie, you're an ignoramus, but uh, um, I'm kidding. Josh, you seem to have thought about this a lot uh, and try to really deeply understand like what uh, a good coach, you know, is to you and like how to better, you know, ask questions and solve problems. It's not just, uh, I guess, resting on your laurels with just asking like a list of questions, getting the answers and that's enough information, like really trying to go deeper on that. And I think that takes a certain level of introspection and self-awareness uh, to come to the realization of, you know, that you can do more, you can be better. So I guess talk to us about how, I guess you've gone about trying to you know understand yourself as a coach and your flaws, shortcomings and all those kind of things uh, to be a better coach and like what that process kind of looks like. Um, reflection, uh, therapy, Therapy has helped me massively in my personal life um, and understanding like that there is a reason why you do everything that you do. Um, and there is a reason why clients do everything that they do. And I think this is where, again, we if we kind of tie it back into a bit of a red flag, I say a red flag is when coaches are very frustrated with their clients and a green flag is when a coach gets very curious and thinks, why is this client doing this? Or why am I doing this? You know, I think that, 
yeah, self-awareness is a, is a lifelong skill we want to try and develop as coaches, but also we want to try and develop this in our clients. That's what I think the benefit of a checking also is, is this self-reflection. But I just think try, yeah, really getting curious and inquisitive of like, why, why is this happening in the first place? And what is the root cause of this? Um, and then trying to get back to what, yeah, again, like when we try and establish what that root cause is, we can really solve that problem for good. Um, but again, I think for me, just, I'm a, I'm a big questioner. There's a book called The Four Tendencies. Um, and I did that quiz and I was like, fuck, I just nearly 100% I'm a question. I just try and question everything. Why is this the way that it is? Why is this person doing what they're doing? And coming at, sorry, coming at it from a very um, non-judgmental place as well and very compassionate and very empathetic. Because again, there is a reason why everyone does what they do. Okay. I totally respect the shit out of that. But I think one of two things has led you to get to that, that uh, I guess, point in your career. One, you've uh, gone through the full uh, you know, spectrum of uh, experiences within the Dunning-Kruger effect. Or two, you're just a very, um, I guess, critical thinker. And that's a, quite an innate thing. Um, and I think it's probably a combination of the two. But how would you advise young coaches who are at a point in their career, and Mac, you can jump in on this as well, where they feel like they need to know everything and that they need to have the answers and not you know, delve deep into certain questions uh, because doing so will really challenge their identity um, and cause them to feel some sense of imposter syndrome. They need to be the expert to have confidence in their abilities at this point to get buy-in from their clients. And you know, it, it does take, uh, I guess, a lot of notches on the belt, a lot of experience and, uh, yeah, as I said, scores on the board to get to a point where you can start to say, well, I'm not sure uh, and start to think about things a little bit more critically and be vulnerable in your knowledge and confidence or certainty and answer. And so like, I guess, pass over the, um, the baton, you know, with, when it comes to, you know, you guys talk about the writing reflex, for example, um, you know, where we have to be the ones that give the answers. Like it takes a lot of, uh, I guess, not just humility, but extreme confidence. And I don't think that that's uh, something that young coaches can necessarily get straight away. I, I feel like they do have to, um, fight for the right to, you know, be heard and listened to for obvious reasons. Uh, so what would your advice there be, Mac? I can see you sort of jumping around. You're ready, ready to chime in. Uh, it's a very tough question to answer, I think. Um, I think obviously you have to have a baseline level of, of knowledge because you are the expert on training and nutrition. So there needs to be a level of knowledge there, obviously, which comes with your stock standard sort of education. Um, but I think it's also a case of, uh, a few things never making assumptions so never assuming if a client isn't doing something never just being like oh they're just lazy or oh, they lack discipline or, oh, 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 or whatever um that's what where it kind of starts um asking those questions um assuming that there's always a why or reason behind something and getting curious okay never assuming getting curious and if you don't have the answers I think you'd be surprised how often the clients actually have the answers. If you just ask them good questions and kind of create a space where they can explore their thoughts, their barriers and their struggles in, in a non-judgmental way. And you need to create that safe, non-judgmental environment for them to feel comfortable to do that. And I think if you have a problem or you don't know the answer for a client struggle, going through that process can often reveal the answer or at least provide some kind of direction and if still you don't have the answer or something is without is beyond your set of knowledge or whatever 
never being afraid to refer out. You know, I think, especially in the fitness industry, from my observations, it's like this stigma around coaches referring out. Like, oh, it means I'm not good enough. Oh, it means I don't know enough. And the client will kind of, they pick up on that. Oh, he doesn't have the knowledge. But actually, it it shows honesty and the clients will appreciate that. Um, it allows you to focus on the things that you're qualified, good and interested in or at. Um, and it gets better uh, outcomes for the client because they're you're referring out to someone who you know is is an expert in the area that they might be struggling with that you're not an expert in. Um, so it's also better for business because the client will have a better outcome. Uh, and from a litigious perspective, it's also safer for the coach as well because it's that whole scope of practice thing. Litigious, that's a very uh, legal uh, term. You've been hanging around uh, certain people. Hanging around you, mate. Yeah, yeah certain people highly uh, connected to that side of things. Very good. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I, I really like that. Josh, anything that you want to add there? Yeah, I would say like, again, it, like, I focus on the nutrition side of things mostly. So I think most nutrition coaches already know enough to help the people, to help the people they want to work with. But it's this, again, you mentioned before imposter syndrome. I need to know more. I need to know. I don't know enough. So I always say like, what is enough? Define what enough is. And I like to try and go through this, like challenging this rational belief. And then, you know, that consequence is them feeling like they're, they're not enough. They don't know enough. And I say, um, like Max said, people may have the answer themselves. They, they most people know they should be eating fruits and veggies and exercising regularly and not drinking too much alcohol or smoking right i would say most people know that but there is a reason why they're not doing it what's it, what's the stat like five to seven percent of the australian population eat the recommended sets of fruit and veg per day but i would say most of them know that fruits and veggies are good for them there's a reason why they're, why they're not doing it so as a nutritionist you don't know need to know about like advanced glycogen resynthesis rates to help jane the accountant like you don't need to know that like that stuff is taking up mental resources that are, that are limited that you could be spending on your communication skills and your behavior change skills right if then mac the marathon runner comes in and needs to know that stuff you go hey, cool. hey, hey that's a low blow man you know the prick can you say i'm small bro <laughs> you know he can barely walk at the moment come on that's a low you say, I'm, you say i'm skinny and i look like a marathon runner yeah all right, no wonder I have poor body that, image. That's Jesus. fucking two, two, uh, two birds, one stone. There. That was a brilliant, yeah. brilliant boom, boom. <laughs> Take care. Um, you can go, all right, I can find that out. Like if you have it in your notes, but also like, yeah, you can either refer out, but also you can do some of your own research to get the answer for that person rather than that taking up so much mental resources that you could be using again on your communication skills. So I think finding it, like saying, I don't know right now, but so, even sometimes there's stuff that I know, I will then forget because I don't use it very often. And I'll just say to someone, oh, I don't write, I don't know right now. I'll either go through my notes quickly now, or I'll just find it and send it to you. But there's no problem with saying, I don't know. I think it shows a bit of humility, but it's also you being authentic. And I think if we go back to what is a great coach, someone who is authentic, a genuine person. And when you can see that and see that they actually care about you, like I think that's a, like a definite green light for a client. And to, to add to that, actually, when clients see that you are genuine and they see that you genuinely care, I think that they're going to be more likely to take heed of things you say or at least be receptive to some of the 
like points or suggestions or ideas that you bring to the table um, because they're going to feel like, you know, they're going to be confident that you have their best interests at heart, that you're a genuine person and that you've also taken the time to get to know them and listen to, to them as well. Yeah, I, I like all that. So a question that uh, springs to mind here, because we know that everyone is sort of uh, born with uh, variations and differences in their innate empathy or their emotional intelligence, so to speak, uh, which would really influence how much they can genuinely care for somebody else, right? Uh, we know that, for example, women on average, more empathetic than males uh, because they're more social beings, they're more cared about people rather than things, whereas men are more concerned with things um, and acquiring things. Uh, so there's differences there. Now, what would your advice be to somebody who might be struggling with that side of things as a coach? Um, because I know that I've certainly met a lot of coaches who are great coaches who know all the theoretical stuff that they're, they're actually good coaches, but they just struggle to connect with a lot of their clients or to build those uh, deep and meaningful relationships that they need to, or, you know, even then, do they have to have deep and meaningful relationships? How that can they sort of navigate, uh, I guess, that challenge uh, in their coaching career? It's, it's a tricky one. I would like to then even go back to, if you are a coach before you get into the industry, ask yourself why you're getting into this industry in the first place. Um, and I always say that, you know, nutrition, coaching, and personal training is a people job first and foremost. It's not a nutrition and training job. So do you want to help people and work with people or do you want to do stuff with nutrition and training? It's a, I think it's a big difference. Um, but it could also be a, a bit of a practice, you know, trying to just sit on like, Put yourself in the other client in the in the client's shoes. Put yourself on the other side of the table, right? Think about as a coach, when are there times where you are not adherent to something? You may you may be very adherent to nutrition and training because you love it. Okay. But what other areas in your life aren't you very consistent? And then start to think about why. All right. Because I work with a lot of coaches and the I love it when they don't complete a like a check-in form before a consultation and they don't do their homework. Not because it means less work for me, it's because they are humans and they can go, oh, I just didn't have time. I was quite busy. I was like, that's okay because your clients do the same thing. So are you going to be a hypocrite and judge them? I hope not because then it opens your mind and like, okay, this is just one area in my life where I'm very, very good. And then you can start to understand there's other areas where you're not so consistent. Um, and this is why also I don't like the saying how you do anything is how you do everything because that's just clearly false. Yeah, that's that's uh, built on a lot of assumptions. Totally incorrect in my opinion. Mac? Yeah, um, I think that if you are a coach, like Josh said, it's it's a people job first and foremost. Um, and, you know, I hear, I've heard the phrase of, um, I don't want to hold, I'm, I don't want to be a hand holder. Um, I want to be like a, a training coach or a nutrition guy or girl. I don't want to be, I don't want to hold the hands of my clients. And I think, I think if you're going to be a coach working with people, like I think that's kind of part of the job um, at the end of the day, like you're there to come alongside them, to guide them. And if you're not willing to go through a little bit of handholding to a degree, then I don't know if coaching is really for you. Yeah, that's pretty like blunt but spot on, Mac. I I really do think that if you don't want to work with people, then coaching isn't for you because you need to be understanding. 
Yeah. Like that's, lot- that's a, it's, it's in the job description. Yeah. Well, I think that's the issue, right? It's not in the job description. Like at what point when you apply to be, well, you don't even apply. People just, uh, you know, self-proclaimed nutrition coaches. Like there is no job description. There is no, uh, I guess, yeah, roles and responsibilities necessarily when people sign up to uh, subcontract out of a good life and start coaching people, right? I think that's uh, in large the issue is that a lot of people are getting into this uh, career uh, yeah, blinded by what the job actually entails. You're right, right yeah. yeah. And, and then a- they go through the process, they realize that there's a lot of hand-holding and it's like empathy and emotional intelligence needed, high, you know, high degree of communication skills, regular contact with people, and they're put off by that. And then they want to be the the programmer and they go through that process of, you know, fuck, this is too much. This is too hard. I just want to write programs. And why can't all my clients just be like this one client that I have that's highly motivated. I just want to go coach all that. Here we go. Max like moves around Mac. Yes. I just want to say, I don't want to cut you off because you're on a roll there. So no, okay. I want you to keep going, but yeah, it's a process. I love when I see you bouncing around the screen, you, you start doing these ones. It's it's Max, time, it's Max turn to talk. Yes, Max. It's a process. You know, you like training. You get into a bit of nutrition. Maybe you compete in a bikini competition, all right? This, this is a and real. you go, all right, then I'm going to, I'm going to start coaching people. I'm a coach. Yeah, great. I'm moving up the ranks. All right, I'm going to be a mad dog i would be an online coach you're an online coach but then you start to realize ah these clients they're pissing me off they always send me messages ah i just can't deal with their whinging complaining and then you start to get a little bit bored of it, a little bit frustrated you start to become a bit angry and then you realize oh you know i'm just i don't want to deal with these people i don't want to do this anymore um so the programming thing i'm just going to do the programming boss babe business yeah and then next minute your next minute i'm gonna be a six-fig boss business bloke or babe all right and um and that's kind of the cycle and you know i feel like the coaches who don't want to do the people thing they don't last and it's okay to change careers and stuff if if for those people, like it's good that they're admitting them that selves and rather than, you know, working with clients and getting a poor outcome and being frustrated themselves. But, you know, if you're not willing to do a bit of handholding, if you're not empathetic, if you're not willing to put yourself in the shoes of your clients, if you're not willing um, to kind of unpack things and take the time to get to know them and all these sort of things, then, you know, you'll probably go through that process, become a boss business babe or bloke. Um, and then who knows what you'll be doing after that. By that time, you probably have a property portfolio. It probably won't matter. Yeah. You'll probably be yeah buying a computer somewhere, working with uh, numbers. Yeah. This job, like this job is not just about being able to train whenever you want and work wherever or whenever you want. Um, and I think if we kind of go full circle back to what Max said at the start, like, you know, we're looking at total health here. We're looking at all areas of someone someone's life. So think about the consequences that your actions as a coach have on not just someone's physical health, their total health, but also their like their social circle, like their family. This is like ever since becoming a dad, I've become very passionate about working with parents and then just thinking about how I work with someone and how that's going to influence their children one day. Like a ima- it really scares me to think about, okay, the state that the industry is in now, but the whole diet culture stuff, right? How people are very scared of certain foods and, you know, what what message is that going to send to their children? And then how is it going to be working with those children in, you know, 20 or 30 years? 
So really thinking about the consequences that your actions have as a coach on like, and what, what, sorry, what, what is the downstream effect of all of these things? Because you are frustrated because you're not empathetic because you don't take the time to understand your clients. Yeah. I love that. And I think, uh, yeah, just to add to that, I am very alarmed when I see like inquiries or people come to me for coaching, um, and they want to do a bodybuilding competition or even like, you know, getting to power through something, their parents and whatnot. I'm just like, for me, that's in some cases, like this is probably bad for business, but in some cases, like that's, that's a big red flag that there's like, there's something missing. Hmm. It's like, are you not aware of like what this potential, uh, you know, process could do to you and the impact that can have on your relationship and the strain that puts on your family, but then also like the, habits and behaviors that your children are going to pick up like that that's scary right and i and i very much have become uh, cognizant of these things being a parent as well um and how yeah what i influence my clients to do if they are parents as well um is going to have that knock-on effect and i think that's a really really cool way of looking at it um and i think a lot of coaches should consider that but the, the harsh reality is a lot of coaches can't understand because they don't have kids a lot of the coaches in the industry don't last 10 years from when they're 23, 24 to then 33, 34. And when they've got kids, a lot of the coaches in the industry are these young kids who would have absolutely zero fucking understanding of anybody else because they haven't experienced jack shit. And the reason I can say this and know this is because I was that coach one day as well. I was the coach, uh, you know, that we're describing here. When I first started, I had a, you know, template of foods that people could eat. There was no alcohol. There was no eating out. There was, you know, they had to follow their meal plan. If they didn't, they were a failure. I'd fucking crack the shits because I wanted to get results for my clients. And I look back and I think, holy shit, that's just because I had no fucking understanding of, of what they were going through. And I obviously didn't know what I know now. Um, and I think that young coaches, it's okay because you can't go through things that you haven't gone through. Like that's just, um, you know, an unrealistic expectation of anyone in the industry to have a view. But you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware that, okay, I don't know what other people are going through. Um, and that circles back to what you guys were saying earlier about how important it is to try to get an insight into your client's life so that you can have more consideration around the decisions you make. And I think that's really, really critical uh, to that, uh, yeah, conversation. Mac? Yeah, just add to that. And- there's, there's, I've realized that there's two types of Max, right? There's the jumping around. He, he's 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 on one. He's ready to fucking go ham. And then there's the just the eyes and the head just subtly turning. That's thoughtful, Mac, and he's ready to enlighten us. <laughs> enlighten us, Mac. Here we go. Yeah, I, I love what you guys are saying because obviously both your dads and your your cognizant of you know the way you speak about food and the way you speak about bodies around you know, those who, who you're raising. And Sorry, it is such a... People ask me if I'm going to compete again, like bodybuilding. Yeah. i got two young girls. Ain't no fucking way, like, I'm getting back on a stage when, like, young girls, like, I see them, you know, like, talking about... You know, the F word's banned in our house. They're not allowed to say fat. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least I'm not going to allow them to describe anything or, you know, anyone as that word for now. And, you know, mm. uh, when they mm. get older, that'll change. Uh, but I see young girls like pulling up their tops and stuff. So I will not compete in bodybuilding. I will not diet in front of my kids. I will not weigh food. I will not weigh myself. Like they're just things that I just will not do. Um, mm. Sorry to interrupt, but no, uh, that's all right. yeah, it's, I think people really, really fail to realize that like, yeah, when it comes to the kids involved, uh, yeah, you got to be very, very careful. 
Uh, yeah, like, I mean, just anyone, not even just kids, but just these topics, they're fragile topics. You know, people think, oh, I need nutrition coaching. I just, you know, here's your macros, my flexible dieting ebook. Like, it's just going to be easy. And it's just something that it's easy for me. It's like nutrition coaching is no joke. It's not risk-free. There are risks involved and they run deep. And it might not be, you know, surface level visible, um, but then, you know, you realize this stuff comes up. And even for me personally experience, like, you know, um, growing up in the 90s, like, and, and the early 2000s, whatever, um, with a parent who worked in fashion and being always a, a, a involved in that fashion space and being influenced by that, you know, I come, I, I now realize how damaging some of those things have been for me, you know, the last sort of, I guess, five to 10 years, the shift in the way I view food and just realizing all these things that I used to do and how I used to think and how I used to train and all this sort of stuff. It's like, it all is that stuff coming to the surface as that I was exposed to when I was even younger. And exactly like I was the coach who was the macro coach, Steve. And during that era of my life, and I just think, you know, it, it, it's damaging to think that I was like that person. Um, but at the same time, I think it's given me very unique perspectives on how we should be talking, even just talking about training and nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I agree, man. I think you have to sometimes uh, go through some shit to find gold, right? And we're a very big believer in, uh, yeah, many people, you know, even just very in, enlightening or illuminating thoughts. It's like, you have to go through some, some not so good ones to get there. Right. And you have to, it's always a process. Like very few people, I think are blessed or, you know, in Australian slang kissed on the dick to uh, just have those, you know, brilliant insights and understanding uh, most of the, you know, best communicators, uh, you know, our most experienced coaches have gone through some, you know, hard, hard stuff, you know, to get there. Um, and I think that's true in many uh, facets of life. Josh, yeah. anything you want to add? Yeah, I was going to say, just on the back of what you're saying there, I think you then have to care enough to learn. Yeah. You have to care enough about this job and about people to learn how to get better and how to be the best coach possible. I like it. Guys, look, I know we could probably chew the fat on this topic for a very long time uh, without batting an eyelid, but I think that's a really, really good place uh, to wrap things up. And I think a lot of people will take uh, plenty from that. If you had uh, one piece of advice to your younger self as a coach, Mac, what would it be? Yeah, this is a huge one. And um, I've actually, I was even saying this like a couple of days ago, uh, you know, this idea of, you know, do you have regrets in life or do you not have regrets in life or are all those things just part of the process to get there? Yeah, yeah, they are. But, you know, I actually wish that I never got into training as much as I did. Like I kind of never took it to a level where it started to have a negative impact on my life because it sounds so like overdramatic, but I genuinely feel like I lost four or five years of my 20s um, because I was so fixated on on that. And that's that's something that I'm just like, I'll never get that time back again. Yeah. So so the advice there would be not to uh overemphasize training at the expense of life experience. Or just like what you gen what you yeah. want from life. Not what you think you want to get because you know you're surrounded by this fitness trend and whatnot, but actually or wanting to get validation from others, but actually thinking like, what do I want? to do what's important to me what do i want my day to look like like you know 
do I want my day to look like I'm tracking my macros and I'm training and really diligently? And for a lot of people, if that's the case, great. But for me, it wasn't, but I was doing it, you know? So that's probably my biggest thing. Awesome. I like it. Josh. The advice I'll give to my younger self when I was a, when I started coaching. Yeah. Get curious. Short and sweet. Love it. Get curious. Get curious. Uh, chase experiences, not gains. That's it. What about you, Jacob? What would you say to yourself yeah. as a coach? Uh, whoa. Yeah. Be okay with not knowing. Because I, uh, yeah, was very very much driven by and obsessed with knowing everything. Uh, I get uh, very obsessive about things and probably, yeah, probably went too far into the, you know, education side of things and like knowing the theory and whatnot at the expense of learning a lot of other really important skills. As we are saying earlier, probably like the, yeah, knowing it, being okay with not knowing and realizing that you're never going to know enough and that that's okay. Just trying to figure out like how much do I need to know okay, cool, that's enough of, of that. And I can, uh, yeah, focus on the actual clients and the uh, behavior side more for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate your insights. Uh, where can we find you? Fortitude Nutrition. Mac, we know where to find you. Josh, Fortitude Nutrition. Yeah, uh, Fortitude Nutrition Coaching and also hero.nutrition.mentoring. Awesome. Guys, thank you for joining us and we'll speak to you on next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right.